Welcome to the 7th Annual Artability Show. The first show that we're going to run you through is in the library gallery. My name is Patty Adams. I'll be your narrator. I also am the coordinator this year of the Artability Show. I worked in cooperation with Julie Mancuso and the entire Campus Rec staff to bring together this amazing show. The first place I want to show you is outside of the gallery are two pictures of horses by an artist by the name of Rachel Trainer. Rachel says in her artist statement, When I sat down to brainstorm ideas for this year's Auraria's Artability, several images came to mind. The inspiration for these two paintings came from a book that I read and did not like. Yes, I stated that I did not like the book, so naturally I tore out a couple of pages to use in my artwork. Then I imagined horses with feathers. I painted the pages with watercolor, hand-drew the flower feathers. I spent hours cutting every feather out. Each one had a personality of its own. As I glued the feathers to the paintings, I could see that the paintings meant more than the torn-out pages of a forgotten book. These two paintings brought me peace. Peace as I cut out every feather, and peace when I stand and look at both pieces together. Because I painted these images in September of 2011... They made me think of the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. In addition, the horses of both paintings are rising up to meet the sky. Then I realized that each feather represents the people lost on that sad day. The yin and yang sign on one of the paintings made of feathers is my desire for peace in my life as well as peace for mankind. Some of the elements of these two paintings reflect my quirky style. For example, some of the horses are missing their feet. Also, Two horses are jumping out of the body of the middle horse. I am known for using bright colors in my artwork as well. I would like to attend, extend my appreciation to Auraria Campus Recreation and Julie Rommel Mancuso for continuing art ability each year. This art show is a sounding board for all of us who live day to day with a disability. I also have to thank my mom for all her love and support over the years. Rachel's first picture is actually three horses together in a stem of feathers that come from the base. The second piece are two horses that are pink with feathers side by side, and in the center is the yin-yang symbol that Rachel referred to in her statement. If you come around the corner, we are lucky enough to have on loan from the Volunteer Services of America Access Gallery four pieces from artists who live with their disabilities, and this is how they manage them. George Rivera suffered a brain stem, or brain injury and he took an MRI of his actual brain scan and he added stars, stripes and flags and he called it America Me and it helped him to deal with it. The second picture that we have is actually called Behind the Ivy Wall. The artist has put faces to the voices that he hears with his condition of schizophrenia. The voices have names and faces now, and the words on the picture say, first, just, tell, just don't tell anyone that you heard it from me. I just thought you should know so you could pray about it. I just had to tell somebody, did you hear about, you know me, I'm not one to gossip. I'm just not sure if it's true, but can you keep a secret? You'll never guess what I just heard. He has put faces to all the voices that he hears. The next picture that you will see is actually a composite picture from the Access Gallery that was a group artist effort. They were learning about abstract artists. They went down to the Colorado Convention Center. 
they took pictures using the blue bear as the center of their artwork, and they added the photographs from around the center to it. The last picture that we have on loan from the Access Gallery is called Tea Time at the Nuthouse. It is a woman in a, in a hospital gown holding her pills like it was a cup of tea. The next piece that we have is an amazing cloth collage. It includes flowers, different fabrics, bugs, and the stitching actually says rules for being a bug in this residence. Nancy Ross, the artist, says, My artwork started as a passionate hobby. I used disposable cameras to photograph my pet ferrets. I continue to use my Pentex K1000 whenever a friend and I go up to the mountains. I also started to take my Pentex and my digital cameras with me so I would be able to take photos. I developed an eye or style for my artwork and photography. I've been published three times in an anthology, plus I've sold several enlarged photographs and artwork. My artwork followed closely behind a course in professional floral design. I drew pictures in pencil of people's grandchildren. I also painted pictures of floral design using paint and golden pens. I recently explored multimedia canvas artwork to add to my saleable art. This recent piece, The Bug Rules, is an exploration in using fabrics for a collage. Artwork is becoming more of a challenge for me as I go out of my zone of comfort and into the zone of stretching my limits. I'm discovering that as I grow, I'm having more fun. I'm expanding my art into fabric design. I'm also expanding in the area of humor as well. I discovered how far I have come by critiquing my past work and working on my present work. As I continue my work, I plan on putting myself out on a limb by working on ideas within my design style. I am discovering as I work on larger projects, I keep on track until I finish the piece. The next three pieces that we have in the library gallery are, made, are painted by Zach Barnes. For Zach, his artist statement is, For me, my artwork helps me keep life in perspective. I'm in control and can do what I want. It helps me through my pain and is a stress reliever. I've been doing art for seven years and have sold many pieces. It gives me much pleasure to share my talent with others. It helps me with difficult things like grief. I still mourn my grandmother, who passed two years ago. Other feelings come up as well, such as humor and loneliness. I think when you're funny, you're in the realm when you're depressed, and when you find something funny happening in a sad moment, or you find something that you've never heard before, you unlock something. When you're suffering, you can find a funny point in that too. I like being part of To Succeed in Education, where I can work in the studio anytime and at my own pace. Our first piece of, from Zach is actually a large canvas with abstract colors of a variety of blues and pinks and primarily yellow, and in the center is the guy, a black outline of a single person, and that's the title of the piece. The second piece by Zach is actually an abstract swirl paint that looks like leaves. It's green with yellow and red inside the design. The last piece that Zach has created is a black on gray, which is called Courage to Come Home. He works very hard with his illness, and his art helps him do so.
Our next artist, her name is Sherry Valdez. I was born in Craig, Colorado on May 5th, 1961. I was born with cerebral palsy, which is a condition that requires full assistance from my family, friends, and medical staff. At the age of five, my mother, father, and I moved to Denver so I could attend school at the Cerebral Palsy Center. I left the CP Center to attend Betcher School in third grade and graduated from there my senior year. After Betcher, I attended school at Metro State College and graduated with a bachelor's degree in human services. My mother and father always encouraged me to be the best I can be. Both my parents persevered and worked, attended college, and each received their degrees in psychology from Metro, while still taking care of me. It was their examples that led me to college and proudly parenting my foster son, Blaine. All of my trials and tribulations allowed me to excel and be the person I am today. The New Me by Sherry Valdez, written September 28, 2011. I have palsy. Cerebral palsy never gets worse like other diseases. This is one of the positive parts of having this particular disability. The other good thing about it is my mental abilities seem to remain normal. This is something I've been very blessed with. The negative part is I have very limited motor control. My movements are very unpredictable. I've had times when I was completely calm but startled and hit the person closest to me. I've had my share of people get offended at me because they do not understand my disability. I've tried to learn to block them from my mind, but it always has this negative effect on me. This sadly meant that I could unwillingly hit either myself or a person I needed to help me with my personal care as well as my friends and my family. This depended on how nervous I got. I had days when I was pretty calm, but I still have my unique movements. People never know how I was going to move from one day to another. I could have had a day where I would not hurt anybody at all. I would have liked the ability to predict my movements, but I just could not. This is, was just about the worst part of my disability. I had been glad that I was only supposed to live until I was 30, but it passed me by about 20 years ago. I've always been a person who loved to be as funny as I could be so people would have an easier time helping me. I've always tried to use my cheerful sense of humor to break the ice with people and laugh at myself. I also did this so I could cope with my unpleasant reality when I have had a bad day. I discovered laughter was the best way I could deal with the entire trauma in my mind. It always takes great determination not to worry about causing discomfort, but I realized a long time ago there were people, some I even knew, who had much more miserable existence than me. My parents did everything they could to diminish the bad feelings I would get after my movements would betray me. They even had their limitations without being patient, however. I was able to get some relief from my tense muscles from biofeedback. I met with Bill, who worked at the hospital near our house. He agreed to help me through the sessions. He suggested it after he met me through a friend of mine. When he asked me about doing things Doing biofeedback, my parents let me be the one to decide whether or not I wanted this kind of therapy. I was willing to try almost anything to get some relief in my constant motion. This gave me some relief. That worked much better than I had hoped. I still would have been happier with much more control. I was extremely grateful for the relief I got. 
when I was in school, it was very difficult for me because I was always the kid who was bullied mostly emotionally by other students. I went to school. I went to a school for children with physical disabilities, but I was one of the kids who was the most disabled. And I had a habit of staring at almost anything. I never understood why I did this, but I was always looking at something or someone. I did not want to do it, but it always happened at the wrong time. I would also hit the bullies and their friends. There were plenty of kids who had worse disabilities than mine, but for some reason, I was the one everyone targeted. I sure would like to think I was the only one. I would always feel like strange one always. I was not able to be out with friends because of some physical barrier. I sometimes would not ask to go outside because of the work involved on someone else's part. I had to deal with the strong feeling that I would always be awkward when I was in social situations. I always was with the adults, mostly because of the physical barriers. I also had to eat with the adults because I needed to be fed. I did always think that this helped me to mature faster. I always was concerned because I really did not think that anyone would be able to take care of me. Ron came into my life because he was the second person I hired to take care of me. I did not know how I would be able to survive successfully, partially because I was the only child. I never learned how to share other than with my mother, or I played with other kids' toys. I got into college because I thought I would be able to get out on my own someday, but I would have to have some kind of income. I actually did not have any idea how I would get to be a functioning adult, but I had to quickly figure it out. I wondered if I could have had the same life everyone else had. I had plenty of fears about going to classes with people with little knowledge about different disabilities, but I was pleasantly surprised. It was very educational for all. I found out that most people are willing to learn about my me as an individual, not somebody with a handicap. This was a major boost on my whole self-confidence. I received a Bachelor of Science degree in Human Services. It took 20 years to complete, but it was well worth it. Even if I did, could not live totally independent like everyone else, I wanted to finish sooner, but there were several delays. Even if I could never, even, I'm sorry, even if I could, I never would be able to work because I could not take care of myself. I had to forget about getting work because I had to have so many personal assistants. I did not like this idea very well, but I knew that I would never... Wait a minute. I knew that I would never begin to have enough money to pay someone 35 hours a week to do everything for me. I was disappointed that I could not pull my own weight as a citizen of the United States. I grew up with the idea that people had to work to survive. I was qualified to be a family counselor, but I would not be able to risk making too much money to qualify for my assistance. College also motivated me to get back into physical therapy. I had something like it during all the time I was growing up. This forced me to stay limber and hopefully give me even more control of my body. It felt wonderful to be able to be treated like just another student. People just worked with the movements I did instead of worrying about the movements I might never have. It has been a positive for me because I've had the opportunity to train students who had no experience in working with people with disabilities so they would not have all of these big dreams of what I should be able to do. This worked out better than before because I could do it more often than I did before. This one was something free, but by getting my degree, I could have therapy for as long as I wanted. It's always been free to the all alumni. 
when I saw a news article on TV about stem cell procedures that could draw, slow down my movements, I could not help but cry. As content as I had finally become, I was still desperately wanted to investigate it. I had the distinct feeling that this newfound obsession is what I, this newfound obsession I would have would never work out. I had never had the confidence that much of anything would work beyond biofeedback. I even knew if I needed this. I could raise the money. It would be no cost. It was all experimental anyway. I did not think that Mom would trust it. I was not even a bit sure I didn't have my doubts either. I had no idea that my mom would pursue this anytime soon. I was extremely surprised that she started to investigate everything right away. It took more scrutiny on their part than I ever thought. I was very glad when I thought about it and realized they were still watching out for me. I did not think about their reputation. I did not care why they were checking me, who I was, just relieved that they were so careful. I really started imagining life where people would not have to be leery about people coming around me. I could finally enjoy my life without fear of losing the people I cared about. I had always pretty well taken care of what I always had the feeling that I had to be extra nice to people, to any support people. I could not look vulnerable because another downer of my loved ones would be around in my view. I had to be careful with sharing my feelings about the procedure because I did not want to tell too many people because I like, never liked people to worry about my feelings about having a disability. When I got the news I was accepted, I couldn't have done anything within three months, but I wanted to make sure nothing would go wrong. I could only imagine how it would be not worrying about what kind of bruise I would leave on the people I cared about or needed. It took me about three months to decide to go ahead and go through with it. I also wanted to make sure I would be able to move and think. I knew the one thing I had going for me was my brain. I could not imagine turning into a vegetable. In November 2010, Mom, Ron, and I went to Europe. We decided, since nobody could know what the effect of the procedure would be on me, we would go all the way with this extravagant vacation. We ended up visiting five countries. They were beautiful, but not accessible for wheelchairs, let alone somebody who moved the way I did. This, along with the stress of what could happen, to me, made it, very, made it a very difficult trip for all of us. I chose to hide my natural fears about the procedure so we could all have a wonderful time. When we went to Dusseldorf, Germany, we were pretty exhausted. I was very glad we got to our main destination ten days before we had to be there, but a big part of me was extremely scared but excited to imagine what my life would be like when I got home. I had so many things on my mind that it was very difficult to have a good time. I had to get used to the abrupt ascent, accent of the German people. The whole sound of the German language was very harsh to me. I'm not sure I wanted people who sounded like that giving me any kind of procedure. I knew I had invested in this to back out. I had too much invested in this to back out because of the harshness of the language. The procedure took three days. The first day, they took bone marrow out of my hip. This had to be done with me completely under general anesthesia. The next day, they took my bone marrow and separated out the stem cells. At this time, I met with another doctor who took a video of my movements and told me about what to do for rehabilitation. I was very relieved how specific my treatment plan was according to my condition. The next day was the day the doctors took the stem cells and inserted them into the base of my spine. It only took 20 minutes. Within four days, I was noticing that I was not so worried about 
people getting too close to me. I still felt ill, but I was extremely excited at the thought of finally staying relaxed while people went around me, like I finally did not exist in their minds. There was no sense of fear. It was too good to be true. I was not sure I was happy that no one saw me or was offended by my movements. This had to be the strangest experience of my life. It was so nice not to be concerned about bumping into people and different service supplies or at refreshment times. For the first time ever, I knew I would not have some beverage spilled by my own hand. There was absolutely no desire for my hand to go up and hit the glass Mom and Ron were holding for me or any of us to drink out of it. This was an absolute wonderful feeling. I could have sworn I had the feeling like I had more room in my seat, but I really did not. I was... I just was not moving as much. I started dreaming about how nice life would be finally at home, being able to pet my dogs without hurting them. I've always loved them since they were my babies. When I got home, I kept noticing I was definitely slower in my movements. I thought it might be in I thought it might just be in my imagination. I wasn't entirely sure. Every little new experience I had, I wanted to share with my loved ones. It was very unfortunate that Ron, it was very unfortunate that Ron and my other roommate, Ken, I truly felt like I was starting my life over. I knew I had to relearn everything I had to do physically, but I did not anticipate how hard it would be. I was still excited to notice how much work it would take for me to get it to all of my skills. It had now been several months, and I'm still noticing new control and new abilities, at least on a weekly basis. I just about a week ago decided I should start keeping most of my enthusiasm to myself. Only I now know how I feel, and there are very few people who wonder about how I am going through all the time. Only I know or care about how I feel about my progress all the time. I started imagining how I sounded like a little child all the time, excited about every new thing I could control or actually do without somebody helping me. I get concerned sometimes about turning into a zombie at the end of the two years. This is only because it started so fast. But I am comfortable that I will have enough determination not to let that happen. I'm pretty sure I can accomplish the control and dexterity I desire by the end of the two years or whenever I stop changing. For now, it is wonderful to wonder I will be able to do it someday. I am able now to pet my holly dog every morning. I can also sit in a group of people without kicking or hitting the people next to me. The rehabilitation is rigorous, and I have to have determination to relearn how to work my motor wheelchair, and I have to learn about almost everything else, but to me, it's well worth everything I went through. I started bowling season Saturday, and I am now able to bowl with both arms. I find surprises every day, or at least every week. My endurance is getting better. But some days, my body feels like it will turn to powder. I'm working hard to get the abilities I had back. I feel confident they will return slowly. There are a few problems I can see, but not as far as they are very few. I am noticing my carpal tunnel syndrome has gotten worse. This is definitely a sign of aging that I did not notice before, but I still thank the Lord every day for my new lease on life. I truly believe that I am the only 50-year-old person who is looking forward to getting better with age. I really think I am so fortunate that I had the opportunity to have this done. I have a new appreciation for life. I get very frustrated at how long it takes me 
to relearn new thing, ways of doing my old things, but I would not trade it for the world. Sometimes I get so tired, I feel like I could keel over, but it's well worth it to me. Our last artist in the gallery at the library is Melissa Hoyt. She is located in the center display case. Melissa Hoyt says about herself, Art helps me cope. I get agitated really easily, and doing art takes the bad stuff from my mind. It helps me with anything bad that might be happening. It helps with me with my ADD. It helps keep me occupied to where I am clean. I've turned old shoes into works of art, and I like to make cards for people. It makes me feel good because I like to give my art to people. Giving makes me feel warm and wanted. One of my favorite shoes was Boing, purchased by another artist who wanted to show it to a teen daughter as a way of reaching out to her daughter. I made a cancer shoe, a Victorian lace shoe, an autumn set of shoes and a hat, and a black and white elegant shoe, and many others. Sometimes I have thrown my art pieces away because they've showed too much hurt and anger. They brought up memories that I just needed to throw away. There is a photo of that piece. It's a mask displayed in the show. I've also used my energy to make a book that will have positive words from members of the Two Succeed staff. Melissa's artwork is a three-dimensional version. In the case, if you start from the left, there's an elegant high heel done completely in clear glass and white lace. There's another heel that is done in pink ribbons. This is for breast cancer awareness. It's all in pink and crystal. My favorite is the Nike shoe, which is decorated on every edge, every piece with lace and beads and little stone buttons. There's a second pink shoe, which is the Victorian, which has Victorian lace 360 degrees all the way around the shoe with a lovely pink bow for cancer awareness. There is actually the last piece is a set of a hat with autumn leaves and matching high heels, which have autumn leaves that come up the back of the ankles of the shoes. I hope you enjoy the audio tour and enjoy the show.